Before we start this episode, I want to give a slight content warning. This episode mentions suicidal thoughts. If this subject makes you uncomfortable, I advise that you skip this episode. One day, a woman was sitting quietly on a train when she overheard two women speak about the paperbacks that they both had lying on their lap. It was the must-have of the day, the newest mystery novel of the most famous writer in the world. And the women happened to be talking about the author. I hear, said one of the ladies to the other, that she drinks like a fish. Neither of them knew that the other woman sitting with them was in fact that very author that they were gossiping about, called Agatha Christie. Apparently she looked so very common that even her fans did not recognise her when they were in the very same room as her, but that does not take away the fact that Dame Agatha Christie remains one of the most famous and most successful writers in the world, writing more than 80 books and selling so many copies of these that only Shakespeare and the Bible can rival her in numbers. But however great her whodunit novels were, the greatest work of mystery of Agatha Christie was herself, because on December 3rd, 1926, at around 9pm, she disappeared. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of Certainly Strange, and it's mystery time! I know, I know, every episode of this podcast is basically a mystery, that is the entire point of the podcast, but this one is just the pinnacle of mystery, because it's Agatha Christie. A mystery involving Agatha Christie. It's just everything you've ever wanted. And boy oh boy, this is just one of these stories, and I know that when I'm releasing this it is the middle of summer, but it is one of these stories that you should just get yourself a cup of tea, sit back, and without any further ado, let's get into the story. On the evening of December 3rd, 1926, Agatha put her five-year-old daughter Rosalind to bed and kissed her goodnight. She was last seen pulling the door of her house close behind her with an attaché case underneath her arm and then driving into the night in the family's two-seater automobile. This same automobile was found the very next morning, lodged in a hedge, its front wheels over the edge of a chalk pit. Had it not been for the hedge, the car would have plunged over and been smashed to pieces. The car had been run off the road towards a cliff and had stopped just in time so that it did not topple into it. The only things left inside the automobile were the attaché case, a fur coat and a driver's license, identifying the owner of the vehicle, one Agatha Christie, who herself was nowhere to be found. The months leading up to her disappearance had been tough for Agatha Christie. Her mother, Clarissa Miller, with whom she had been very close, died in April of that same year. This death caused Christie to fall into a depression, and several months later, in August, she suffered a breakdown caused by overworking herself. If that was not enough, that very same month, her husband, Archie, confessed to her that he had been cheating on her with his secretary, Nancy Neal, and told her that he wanted a divorce. 
So on the 3rd of December, the two had a fight. Archie told Christy that he was going to spend the weekend with Nancy. And that same evening, Christy disappeared. The disappearance of the famous writer became international headline news. 10,000 to 20,000 people helped in searching her and there were a thousand policemen involved in the case. Still, a week after her disappearance, despite hundreds of reported sightings, Agatha Christie was still nowhere to be found. It is safe to say that police were desperate for answers and like any good policeman knows, there is only one way to get answers in a case such as this. What, by interviewing the people who know her best? By doing groundwork, investigating clues, asking questions to locals? No, of course not. No, they asked a medium to hold a seance. Yeah, I'm being serious here. And if you think, Oh, that might just have been one of those silly things that they did back in the day. No, not at all. It is actually really quite strange that they did this. According to a newspaper article, a party of spiritualists visited Newland Corner Saturday evening and held a seance by the bushes where the novelist's abandoned car was found. It is understood that the medium expressed the opinion that Mrs. Christie had met with foul play. This claim, together with another theory that Agatha Christie had committed suicide, caused the police to look for a body instead of a living person. The theory that Christie might have committed suicide was helped with the fact that on the 11th of December it was revealed that Christie had written a letter to her husband. The letter, which is now in the possession of the police, amounts to a tragic farewell message, indicating that the end had been reached and she was resolved to sacrifice everything and commit some drastic act. There was also the rumour that Christie had left behind a sealed letter that should only be opened in the event that her body was found. What is so strange about this story about there being a letter to Archie from Christie about how she's planning to commit a suicide and the story about a sealed envelope in the case that she is found dead is the fact that there was actually another letter written by Christie to her brother-in-law which simply stated that she was going to a resort in Yorkshire for rest and treatment. It also does not explain the fact that Agatha Christie was very much alive. It was the 15th of December. Bob Tappin, a banjo player in the resident band at the Swan Hydra Hotel in Yorkshire, thought that the woman, who was rather clumsily, but enthusiastically, dancing the Charleston to Yes, We Have No Bananas, seemed oddly familiar. The woman was Mrs. Theresa Neal, a woman from South Africa who had checked into the resort several days earlier. Mrs. Neal looked remarkably similar to the woman whose portrait had appeared on the front cover of the Daily Express. Already on the 7th of December, the wife of the hotel manager had remarked that the lady that was staying with them could very possibly be Mrs. Agatha Christie. The hotel manager had considered the thought absurd, but his wife had been quite correct. 
Mrs. Theresa Neal was none other than the great mystery writer herself. Christie's husband went to pick her up and was surprised to find that she did not recognise him at all. It appeared that the writer had suffered severe memory loss, not remembering anything about her life before the 4th of December. She had even placed ads in the Daily Express under her new name, Theresa Neal, in hopes that a relative would come forward. After therapy, Christy regained her memory and has since then always claimed that her disappearance was nothing more than that, her suffering memory loss. Unfortunately, rarely anyone believed this story. After all, she was a mystery writer and a loss of memory sounded too much like something out of one of her books and Archie did not even believe much of the memory loss story either. My wife had discussed the possibility of disappearing at will. Engineering a disappearance had been running through her mind, probably for the purpose of her work. But personally, I feel that this is what happened. Before we get into the theories about what might have truly been the case behind the mysterious vanishing of Agatha Christie, first let us take a step back into time and recap exactly what had happened to Christie on that night on December 3rd, and what Agatha Christie herself has to say about it. In an interview that Agatha Christie gave later in her life, she explains that on the 3rd of December, the day that she went missing, she was experiencing suicidal thoughts. I just wanted my life to end. As I passed by Newlands Corner that afternoon, I saw a quarry and there came into my mind a thought of driving into it. However, as my daughter was with me in the car, I dismissed the idea at once. All that night, I drove aimlessly about. In my mind, there was the vague idea of ending everything. I drove automatically down roads I knew, to Maidenhead, where I looked at a river. I thought about jumping in, but realised that I could swim too well to drown. Then back to London again, and then on to Sunningsdale. From there I went to Newlands Corner. Then I reached a point on the road which I thought was near the quarry that I'd seen on the afternoon. I turned the car off the road down the hill towards it. I left the wheel and let the car run. The car struck something with a jerk and pulled up suddenly. I was flung against the steering wheel and my head hit something. Up to this moment, I was Mrs. Christie. After the accident in the car, however, I lost my memory. I remembered arriving at a big railway station and asking what it was and being surprised it was Waterloo. It is strange that the railway authorities there did not recall me as I was covered with mud and I had smeared blood on my face from a cut on my head. I then remember arriving at the hotel in Harrogate. I was still muddy and showing signs of my accident when I arrived there. I had now become in my mind Mrs. Tessa Neal of South Africa. As Mrs. Neal I was very happy and contented. I had become, as it were, a new woman and all the worries and anxieties of Mrs. Christie had left me. Agatha Christie, now Mrs. Theresa Neal, had arrived with no suitcase and explained to the hotel staff that she had recently come from South Africa and that her luggage had been left with friends. 
In the hotel register, she wrote down her name, Mrs. Theresa Neal, in her usual handwriting. She took a good room on the first floor of the hotel, fitted with hot and cold water. The price of the room did not bother her, as she seemed to have enough cash with her. Indeed, she had brought a grand total of £60 with her, which in today's money is about £4,692. Christy, as Mrs. Neal, seemed to truly enjoy life. That same night, Mrs. Neal went down for dinner and danced. The next Sunday, she slept until 10am and had breakfast in bed before heading into town. The other guests at the hotel embraced this new woman in their midst. She made friends with them easily, she played billiards and even sang aloud. Meanwhile, she had started to buy a whole new wardrobe for herself, including a new evening dress, a new hat, a coat, a fancy scarf, evening shoes and, of course, books. The librarian noted that Mrs. Neal had a real taste for novels of mystery. On Monday morning, the housemaid noticed that Mrs. Neal had the London newspaper taken up with breakfast in bed. As her disappearance was headline news, it is hard to imagine that Mrs. Neal did not recognise herself in the picture that was staring right back at her from the front page. About it, Agatha Christie herself later said, I read every day about Mrs. Christie's disappearance and came to the conclusion that she was dead. I regarded her as having acted stupidly. I was greatly struck by my resemblance to her and pointed it out to other people in the hotel. It never occurred to me that I might be her, as I was quite satisfied in my mind as to who I was. Now, you know how this story continues. Agatha Christie was eventually reunited with her husband and claimed to have suffered terrible memory loss, which was recovered through therapy. After this, Archie and Agatha Christie decided to live separately and officially divorced in 1928. She did not speak about her vanishing much, except in one interview to the BBC, where she explained her suicidal thoughts and accident that caused her memory loss. But even after that, most people did not believe her story. One paper even called it as complete a work of fiction as anything she has written. So, what are the theories of what could have happened? Before we delve into them, first, a word from one of my friends over at the Bluepot Network. Hi there, this is Kate. And I'm Dominic. And we are your hosts of Shitting Bricks, the podcast. Every week we'll bring you an episode of What Makes People Shit Bricks. Is it a fear of death? Deep water? Running out of wine? Cannibalism? We take a warp look at these topics using examples from history that are the epitome of some scary shit. You can find us on all the regular podcast streaming services like Apple, Spotify and Google. For exclusive content, including behind-the-scenes nuggets, links to weekly topics, and maybe even merch in the future, head to Shitting Bricks Podcast on Instagram and YouTube. But for now, drop your dax, pop a squat, and let's get into it.
There have been many theories over the years as to what might have truly happened to Agatha Christie, but there are three main theories that I'll be covering here. Theory number one. Some people have suggested that the disappearance of Agatha Christie was nothing more than a publicity stunt for her new novel, The Murder of Roger Ackroyd. Christie knew that, with her popularity, her going missing would have made headline news. Only, there is one problem with his theory. The book did not need a publicity stunt at all, as it was already incredibly popular. The second theory is that Agatha Christie deliberately went missing. As I just said, Christie was immensely popular at the time and she knew that her disappearance would make international headline news. She also knew that at the time of her disappearance, her husband would be staying at his mistress's place, which was only a mere six miles from where Christie's car was eventually found. Jared Cade, who wrote the book Agatha Christie and Eleven Missing Days, is of the opinion that Christie had planned the entire disappearance with her sister-in-law and best friend, Nan Watts, to put her cheating husband in the spotlight of the international media to humiliate him. The fake name that she chose, Theresa Neal, also connected to the name of her husband's mistress, who was also called Neal. It can be argued that this type of action does not at all fit Agatha Christie's personality, because she preferred privacy, but at the same time, her husband had mentioned that the idea of disappearing in an elaborate way had occupied her mind, and he was of the opinion that this was exactly what she was doing. And seeing the tragedy that Christie had to live through the past months, where, with her mother's death, it perhaps finally pushed her over the edge of revenge. A revenge she executed in the best way she knew she could. With a mystery. The final theory is quite a radical one. Because, as much as people and the media like to speculate, it is easy to overlook that Agatha Christie might have just been telling the truth. It might sound strange, but if she says that she was simply suffering, we should, maybe, listen to her. Mental health issues have always been quite taboo, and especially back in the day. According to Christie herself, she had been suffering from insomnia, only sleeping around two hours per night. She was depressed and on the day of her disappearance, she described having suicidal thoughts, something that should not be taken lightly. Perhaps Christie did really experience a distressing episode of mental illness that was triggered by her mother's death and her cheating husband who wanted to divorce her, creating a dissociation from who she used to be and becoming a person that she wanted to be, someone who was happy and careless and dancing the nights away, buying books and fancy clothes, making friends, and someone who her husband would love, referencing to her choice of name being Neil, like the name of her husband's mistress. My personal thoughts on the matter? I am actually completely split on the matter, because on one hand, I want to believe Agatha Christie. 
She said that she was experiencing severe mental health issues and just no one believed her. Which is so fucked up because people with mental health issues are not taken seriously enough and women talking about their health, especially their mental health and especially back in the day, is also not taken seriously enough. So the fact that everyone in their months just went, nah, she must be lying. This must be one of her tricks. It must have been heartbreaking for her. Agatha Christie notoriously did not mention this episode in her life apart from that BBC interview. She did not even mention it in her autobiography. And I think that a big part of that is because people just did not take her seriously when she did talk about it. But then there's also my detective brain this little voice in the back of my mind that's just constantly asking questions like why did she bring so much money with her? Why did she write a letter to her brother-in-law describing her going to a hotel in Yorkshire when she herself says that that was not her plan at all because she was planning to kill herself? And and things just don't add up in this story and it really bothers me because really, really, truly I want to take anyone who says that they're suffering from mental illness and that they've really like experienced a tragic moment in their lives so tragic that they dissociated from themselves and for 11 days lived as someone else if someone is saying that I want to take them seriously if someone says I wanted to kill myself I was planning to do that I want to take them seriously but also, things just don't add up. And it really annoys me, because then there's just my detective brain going like, there must be something else going on. It just has to. And, and also, if I was her, you know, imagine if you were the most famous mystery writer in the world, a very successful woman, not just a successful woman, no, a very successful woman, and I just found out that my piece of trash husband has been cheating on me with a secretary who was 10 years younger than me. I would be fuming and I would, I would exact revenge in the most brutal way, in the best way that I possibly could. And I would exactly do what she did, disappearing, making it seem like I was dead and just going to a hotel and having the fucking best time of my life whilst my husband is in hell and the police probably like suspect him of murdering me and the entire world knowing that he cheated on me and that he is an asshole. So yeah, again, as much as I want to believe Agatha Christie's story about mental health, I actually really tend to believe that her disappearance was intentional and that it was fully staged to exact revenge on her cheating husband. But at the same time, I also think that we should not disregard what Agatha Christie has said about the matter herself. After all, the mind is a mysterious thing, especially that of a mystery writer. Thank you for listening to this episode of Certainly Strange. I would love to hear all of your opinions and thoughts about this strange case, so please leave them behind in the comments on Instagram so I can read them and enjoy them. 
You can follow us on Instagram at certainlystrangethepodcast. And you can also visit our website, certainlystrange.com. And there you will find the full transcript of all the episodes, as well as the sources that I used in my research. And once again, thank you for listening. Bye.